0: This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 100. That's right, 100. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your... Clow and John Minnick.
1: Okay, so welcome everybody. This is, we are celebrating our 100th Colored Pencil Podcast. That's a lot of... Exciting. A lot of episodes. If you don't know who John is, this is John Minnick. He is the co-host and actually the person who does all the work for the Colored Pencil podcast. I just have to show up once a week and chat with him. So my job's really easy as far as the podcast goes. If you guys are unfamiliar, yeah, we have a podcast. Um, I know I hear regularly from people that they had no idea that we had one of those. So um, I've got links to that below in the video description if you want to check that out. And I've got... People. Barbara says I'm a noob. That is not incorrect. You'd think I'd know how to do this by now, but I'm working on a different computer. So my audio wasn't even set up on this one. Um, Yeah. Whoops. Yay. Valerie is here. Valerie is one of our moderators. You can check out the link to her channel below in the video description as well. She does really cool wood burnings. So let's go ahead and start answering questions. If you guys have any besides why you couldn't hear me, I think that's fixed now. Um, again, highlight with the at LaCree Fine Art so that I can easily see your questions and we will answer that while I wait for those questions to come in. John, what made you decide to start the Colored Pencil podcast? That seems like a really big project. What made you decide to go that route versus video that a lot of people go to?
0: John, I, uh, oh, someone's saying I'm fading. Okay. I'm not sure. my audio? I hope not. All right. So why did I start the podcast? Uh, all right, I'll try to talk without um, stopping since we do that a lot on the podcast and we can start over. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how this will go. This uh, Lisa said I can't pick my nose or anything, so I don't know how fun this will be.
1: Okay, you don't need to bring uh, that part of the conversation into the live stream. These are things I can't edit out, John. It's not like the podcast. <laughs>
0: started years ago. I, I, I work a day job and I listen to podcasts all the time, I'm like a podcast junkie. I listen to just tons of podcasts and I thought you know what if we could do this for colored pencil I mean I love colored pencil Um, it's something that's visual but I hear podcasts talking about visual things all the time you know and you can do so many other things while you're doing a podcast so I thought hey let's you know let's try that so I started kind of building out some of the things that I thought would be important to uh, talk about with a colored pencil podcast and I started looking around for Um, co-hosts. And, you know, I I wasn't sure what to look for exactly, but I knew I wanted someone who loved colored pencil. And then I stumbled across Lisa. And that was after maybe a year after I'd been thinking about this. And I just asked her about it one day and uh, she liked the idea. And we got together and just started talking. And then we Uh, Started recording and I think we recorded for like maybe four months Lisa something
1: like that yeah I can't remember it was a while yeah
0: and I was trying to figure out some of the I don't know some of the technical things uh, with regard to hosting the RSS and stuff like that Um, but the the true answer is I was kind of dragging my feet a little bit and Lisa said are you ever going to release these like oh okay we have to do that huh so we finally did and I wasn't sure if Lisa was going to continue. I was like, is she really going to do this? Is she liking this? Uh, You know, she was so hyper when she spoke on her videos. (laughs) I thought, I'm not sure she's going to last. Uh, This is kind of boring. I mean, this is, this is, we're going to do this for a long time, maybe, you know. So we made it to 100. But Lisa, (laughs) she's a real trooper. She keeps me motivated. Yeah,
1: what John isn't telling you guys is that I was not his first choice. He actually contacted several people first.
0: Several.
1: They I did they turn you down or were you rejected or oh, how yeah. did that yeah. yeah,
0: they turned me down. They were try, <laughs> trying to be nice about it, I think. Yeah, that's I was cool not thing. first choice, that's a great which idea, I idea, but uh, no. no <laughs>
1: I still think that's hilarious, and I won't let John live that down. So we've got a couple questions coming and I did have somebody ask about tips for a beginner watercolor artist. I can't give you watercolor tips. I'm not a watercolor artist. I'm just now starting to play with watercolor pencils, and I can give you general tips for getting started with any medium. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make some ugly paintings and learn from that. So if you don't know what you're doing with watercolor, acrylics, colored pencil, whatever, play with the medium. Don't worry about doing everything right, about following all the rules that you've read online. You have to do it this way. You have to do that way. Make a mess with the watercolor. Make a mess with whichever medium you're working in and see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, that's the best way to learn. Just keep testing on your own and take notes if you need to. Write things down and talk about in your notes what you liked and what you didn't like.
1: We've got a question from Rebecca who says, I'm drawing a red panda at the moment, Polychromos, and I always get really angry when I have to draw the whiskers. How do you make nice whiskers with only colored pencils? I'll let you go first, John.
0: I like to reserve the area that I'm uh, wanting to keep white or keep real clean. And so, you know, you can do that a number of ways, but one, one simple way you can do that is you can just use white pencil if you're able to see it well enough. And you can put the white pencil down. And if you put enough layers on that white pencil and then you go over it lightly, um, then you you can erase that back out and you've got the white still there. There's a lot of other ways of doing that as well. You can use masking fluid. There's a lot of different ways of doing it. But it's the same thing that color uh, color watercolorists use. And, you know, you just reserve or preserve, rather, those areas so that you can um, keep them white and keep them... Um, from getting contaminated with the other colors that you lay down.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I like to do before I found, now you guys know now I prefer to use the mixture of titanium white and colored pencil or the um, titanium white colored pencil. It's like a powder and the touch up texture from brushandpencil.com. I like to mix those and paint my whiskers on. And oh, has that made my life easier. Before I did that, I, like John was saying, I would take a white pencil and just work over where the white, oil-based pencil. I'm sorry, wax-based pencil. I should mention that. Wax seemed to work Mm -hmm. better for me than the Mm oil-based, but I would put that down where the whisker was going to be, and it sort of protected the paper from getting too dark when I put other colors over it. Now, because I work with odorless mineral spirits, it is going to tint the color a bit, but that did sort of help the paper retain its whiteness. Um, That was the best that I found.
0: Someone wants to know what your favorite shampoo brand is. Paul Mitchell. Assuming, okay.
1: It's Conejo. We ignore Conejo. Uh, did I not talk to you about this before no, the live I'm stream? Going, I'm going
0: to I'm going to answer every question that oh, has. Oh
1: no, you're not I because trust important. me, he starts getting bad. Okay, Shelley wants to know. <laughs> well,
0: he's wanting to know what shampoo I use. Probably. No, <laughs> go ahead. All right.
1: Ahead. Um, Shelley wants to know: Can the Griselle method work in colored pencil?
0: Yeah, y- I do that all the time.
1: Yeah. It it absolutely can Um, work in a light hand so that you're not building up too much wax or oil or whatever medium you're working in. But absolutely, it works very well in colored pencil. John, you do that more often than I do.
0: More often than than I do anything else. uh, I use the Grizz Eye method Um, because, you know, you're getting those lights and darks in the right areas. You're getting those values straight right from the start. So it kind of helps, you know, uh, the roadmap where you're going. So I love it.
1: Yeah, it does. It can make things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Let's see. DB's artwork wants to know if you have used pastel board yet. It's a sanded surface that's not as smooth as pastel mat. Thanks. I have not. Have you, John?
0: Pastel board? No. No, I've not used that.
1: So we're no help for you there.
0: Sorry. Yeah.
1: Now, this is a good one. This is a question that has been coming up a lot lately and I've watched a few oh, videos a on it as lot. well. Michelle Cashmore says, "I've heard rumors lately that Fabriano Artistico right. has changed the process and is now no longer as good. Have either of you experienced this and if so, is it a worth still worthwhile as a paper? Have you tried the new newer or gotten a batch of the newer version, John?" Wait, where are you? Where are you? Fabri- Fabriano Artistico. So, you uh, know, we've it, talked it, about no, this, I haven't have we? Not.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, I've only used it a couple of times, so I haven't used anything newer.
1: So I've ordered some. Be- I've actually got plenty of it here, and I've still been using my reserves. I recently ordered some in, I want to mm-hmm. say, February or January when I went on my big art supply spree. You guys remember the, if you saw that video. I ordered a pack of 16 by 20 inch of the, the regular Fabriano Artistico Extra White Hot Press 140 pound watercolor paper. Name is way too long. I ordered a batch of that. It's been on back order and about once a week I get a message from Dick Blick saying it's on back order again. It's going to be even longer. Right now it's set to come sometime in May. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be the newer batch being that it's been on back order. I have no idea. I, I That'll be one of the first ones I test out though because I want to let you guys know what results i get and i'm curious because i can understand where colored or where watercolor artists are having a problem with it but i'm curious to see if that's still going to be a problem for us with colored pencil because it's it's different than what watercolor artists need if the surface because i've seen where it kind of lifted it peeled up i i've read a lot of complaints about the newer formulation um i've not experienced it yet
0: do you know specifically what changed
1: They, I believe they're now printing money or printing something else for the government on their presses. It was something like that. Now, I heard all this secondhand. Please do not take what I'm saying as fact. This is just what I've heard people discuss, whether or not it's true. I don't know, but what I've heard is they're starting to print other. I think it was money or something. I don't know something for the government. They started printing on their presses, and something changed along the way, and they didn't intend for it to change, but they're kind of in contract now with that. But yeah, when I was at um, NA, uh, I get this the the acronym messed up. NAM. TA nap, Napta Napta whatever I went to in Salt Lake City for the art suppliers I talked to some of them with Fabriano and they're still pushing it as an art paper like they weren't trying to say oh no this is not important to us anymore so I don't know I know they were working with some watercolor artists to figure out what the problem was and try to f- find a solution but I don't know if it's affecting colored pencil artists as much as it is watercolor I've not I don't have any of it yet so I I'll, I'll let you know in May if mine ever gets That's here interesting Hmm. but it has been on Backorder for a long time. Rachel Pierce says, how do you you pick specific colors for skin tones when using colored pencils? You want to take that one first, John?
0: Sure. Well, I used uh, a test piece of paper on, of the same type of paper that I'm uh, doing my project on, and then I start with some of the darker values that I want, and then some of the lighter values. And then I try to you know, figure out which formulation is going to work the best, and I pay attention to how I'm layering those, and I usually take notes and write down which pencil I laid down, first, second, and third, and that sort of thing. But then I'll tell you, the other thing about it is when you start uh, putting, the skin, um, you know, putting the skin tones down, sometimes you just have to mix it all up, and you just kind of keep having to adjust as you go until it looks right. That's kind of what I do. Um, maybe you do something different, Lisa, but I don't, I don't like to be so strict in some kind of formulation usually because sometimes when you're in the middle of the project, maybe uh, you know the hair or something or a shadow got a little darker than what you intended, and so you have to darken up some of the lighter values. So you have to just kind of be a little flexible in your mind and just know that the more you work on it, the better it's going to become because you're going to dedicate enough time and you keep looking and judging the values as you go and as you progress.
1: Yeah. For me, I don't take notes because I'm lazy. Um, it's a great idea. I actually just leave whatever pencils I'm using out in a coffee cup that is chipped so I won't drink out of it. So, it, But it's teal. I can't throw that away. But I keep all of my pencils that I'm working in in the separate coffee cup. And that's just, I know those were the colors I chose. Now, choosing those colors, I've got a few videos here on YouTube you can look up. If you look up Blockery and I uh, believe Photoshop or color matching tools, um, those should pop up. But I use a Photoshop, I use Photoshop and an eyedropper tool to ch- to see what color things are. Because one of the things, and it always drives me crazy when people are like, these are the colors you always use for a portrait. No, There's, there's no such thing. That does not exist. Those are color, there may be certain colors you usually use in a portrait, but even right now, if I change my lighting in this room, I will suddenly need blues where I don't need blues now. Or I may need purple where I don't need purple now, just based on the lighting. So you can't say these are the colors you always use. It depends on what light source I'm in, even for one person. Now factor in the fact that we've got Almost an infinite number of different skin tones on people, that's going to make a big difference too. And so there are certain colors that I may always choose to use. Usually the flesh, dark flesh, light flesh, all of those are tones like with um, polychromos that I'm going to use in most and the kaput mortem that I never can pronounce right. But besides that, I use the color matching tool and, and check because the light source that, that, is cast on the person, that's going to make a huge difference in which colors you choose. So eyedropper tool using either the apps that I show on those videos or Photoshop, that is how I kind of tell, okay, is this more of a greenish tan or is it more of a bluish tan? Is it more kind of closer to orange and yellows? That helps me to see what colors I need.
0: Yeah, that's why I think you should be a little flexible with yourself, even if you do take notes. And if you do have some favorite go-to pencil colors that you like, um, you need to be a little flexible because sometimes it just doesn't look right in the shadows. Maybe you do need more blue, like uh, Lisa, you're alluding to. Uh, So, yeah, I, I, I feel like that you can tell when you look at certain um, art from from different people, uh, colored pencil art in particular, uh, and probably other art, but you can kind of tell when someone has just a formulation that they use every time, and it just starts to look too cookie cutter for me. So, um, yeah, I, I just try to keep it a little looser, and uh, you, you make corrections as you go. Now, having a knowledge about uh, color and, you know, having that color theory background and that music playing in the background as you're, as you're uh, creating, I think helps a lot because you don't have to sit there and think about everything so much. It, it's more intuitive at that point. You know what I'm talking about, Lisa? Yeah. I mean, the kinda, more you do you something, just, yeah, you just yeah. grab
1: for it. I don't think about, okay, yeah. I need this color, this color, and this color. I just grab them. Okay. That's a brownish. We'll make this work. And if I, if you add a color to the paper and you're like, wow, that didn't work at all. Don't freak out. Just layer. Keep layering.
0: Yeah. But it's something that can be taught. It's a skill. You can learn it.
1: Yeah. So our next question, let's see. We've got one from Julie who says, I have been wondering what it means that Prismacolors aren't lightfast. Does that mean they aren't archival? Can I still sell the work that I make with them? Just really like these pencils. So not all of them are lightfast. That is true. I personally don't like to work with colored pencils on colors that aren't lightfast. I pull them from my set. And what that means is they're more likely to fade when exposed to light and a lot faster. So it may fade in 10 years, whereas a lightfast pencil will be fine for 50 to 100 years. So that's what that means. Now, there are some things you can do. If you want to sell the work, I would just let the buyer know this needs to be p- placed behind UV-protecting glass, and you should be okay. And, you know, obviously don't put artwork in direct sunlight anyway. That's always a bad idea. But UV-protecting glass, if you're going to do it, it does cost a little bit more to frame artwork behind that. So you're not necessarily saving money by continuing to use pencils that aren't light fast, but you're that is an option. You're increasing the
0: value, though, if you frame it yeah. well like that and you use UV-protected glass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it comes down to education I think and you you've got to inform uh, your client that you know how to protect artwork.
1: Yeah, and it's assuming that people know I don't what you like know. Using
0: fugitive colors though anyway. I don't I don't like doing it either. I pull them from my set. Yeah, well. that's what I've done. So I don't I don't feel comfortable doing that.
1: So Jonathan says I am now starting on prisma colors. Do you have any tips and tricks? Lisa loves charisma (laughs) colors. I used to. I actually was a huge fan before. Um, My big tip, odorless mineral spirits I really like because it helped kind of remove some of the wax buildup. So it allowed me to create more layers, work in very light layers. It does build up wax very –
0: Are we talking about cleaning your ears with cotton swabs or colored pens?
1: John, we talked about things not to talk about in the live stream. This was one of them. No, but um, you get that wax bloom buildup where it won't take additional layers and it kind of has this white foggy look. You can either wipe that down with a cloth or when you're using odorless mineral spirits to blend, that will help remove some of that. My next tip for you is those are going to break Fairly often. Use an electric sharpener. That was the best thing that I did to prevent broken leads. I had one by Derwent and I think they have a new one. I actually just talked to them about sending me the new one so I can review that for you guys. But an electric sharpener really made a difference in how often those leads broke on the Prismacolors.
0: The, yeah, the helical-type uh, blades for uh, colored pencils, I think, re- work really well. Now, with uh, Prismacolor Premier pencils, uh, you do tend to break those probably a little more often, but I think it has more to do with the angle or the, the way that it's tapered. And so, you're you're going to break a Prismacolor Premier pencil more often than you do other pencils anyway. Uh, Another thing I agree with what Lisa said about the uh, getting rid of the wax bloom. Another thing you can do, though, is you can just heat up uh, your uh, colored pencil piece. Once you see wax bloom with a blow dryer or anything like that, a heat gun, whatever, and then spray it and you'll never see it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And there. Yeah. Get the fixatives for that. Prismacolor makes one, don't they?
0: Yeah. Yes, they do.
1: So our next question. Mona asks, what do you think of Holbein artist colored pencils? (laughs) I have a very strong opinion on these.
0: Yeah, Lisa and I uh, just purchased those. Not too no, long no, ago. no,
1: not Holbein. Wrong pencil. Oh,
0: Hol- no, which one? Holbeins.
1: Holbeins are the ones. Um, I'll go ahead and answer this question oh, because that's I right, know that. That's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I th- got to confuse. The <laughs>
1: <ones>. <laughs> no, the Holbeins are. Uh, there are videos, I guess, going around telling people this is the best pencil ever, and everybody's coming yeah, to me. I get so I questions lie. all the time. Why? You know, these are. I heard these are the best pencils ever. Can you review them? No. And for a few reasons. One, these are not available within the U.S. Because Holmine, for whatever reason, has decided not to do toxicity uh, testing on this. Which means they cannot be sold in... The US. And it's not, it's weird to me because if they were toxic, I would still be, you know, if they had certain things, lead or whatever in it, I'm willing Mm -hmm. to use them. I just need to know that so that I can be cautious about that. But because they won't release any testing done on that or haven't done any testing, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to, no. Um, But that's why they're not able to be sold here. And because they're not able to be sold here, people can only get them on like eBay, Amazon, that sort of thing. And they are not available open stock. So let's say you love the pencils. Which pencils do you, you, look at your own colored pencils that you currently have. How many of those pencils do you have to replace on a regular basis? You do that with Holbein, you now have to buy a whole set to replace that color. Those sets, about $350. So they're grossly overpriced for colored pencil. I mean, the Caran d'Ache Luminants are expensive. Those are what, running about, I want to say they were $2.15, $2. i am getting, I don't remember, they changed it. They dropped 15, the price 15. recently for a set right. of 76 So yeah, those are expensive. However, they've done all necessary testing. We know the toxicity report, and we know that they are completely light fast, that's worth last it to longer, me.
0: longer,
1: Yeah, I yeah. Think. So that's going to be worth it to me. Holbein, right. we don't know if they're light fast. All they tell you is that they are. I don't know that I trust the, their testing because they won't test give me the toxicity report. I don't know. They've been kind of shady about releasing a lot of information. That does not make me comfortable on an item that costs $350 and that I can't get open stock. And when I say open stock, I mean, you can't buy an individual pencil. You're only able to get the full sets through like eBay or Amazon because you can't get them from Dick Blake or somewhere that is licensed to sell colored pencils. That's an issue for me. Now, if they change that, if they do the toxicity report, if they are available open stock, I would love to try them. I, I use Holbein airbrush paints and love those. So it's not that I'm like, I hate the company or anything. I just won't spend $350 on a set that I can't replace individual pencils. And the other thing is that I have talked to artists who I strongly... Um, Uh, I want to say recommend, that's not the word respect, that's the word I'm looking for, that I really respect, and they have tried these pencils and said they're really not any different than polychromos. In which case, why in the world would I spend $350 on a set of pencils that I can't replace individually, that I don't have toxicity reports on, that I don't know in that case if I trust their lightfast results? Those things are just, there's too many negatives to me, and that's why I won't personally use them until they fix these problems. Any opinions, John? No, not
0: really. I mean, there's no reason to to purchase them, um, especially if they're uh, very similar to the Polychromos pencils. So I can get those in open stock, even in the store. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I can't in the store. I'm jealous of you on that one. I have to order mine online, but I can get them open stock. Right, right. Dustin says, what kind of paper can be used for watercolor pencils? I'm using a sketchbook that I can easily find in bookstores. So it depends on what results you want. Yeah. They... They all work with watercolor pencils. Right. I'm using probably right. one of the worst right now. It's almost like drawing on a rock. It's a rough paper. It still works. I. It just depends mm-hmm. on what you want. Any?
0: Uh no. I mean yeah. You're. I don't. I don't know how big that um, sketchbook is that you're working on or what you're. You know what you're doing. If it's just for your own enjoyment or whatever. Um. But yeah, you can you can even use the nice thing about watercolor paper. Though is you can even use solvent on it, and that's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean you can use oil based, wax based, uh, or watercolor pencils, whatever you want to use on it. Typically, um, and you're not going to have a lot of buckling with that good paper like that. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for some questions.
1: So we've here. got Unmass Art wants to know if we ever have guests on the show. We do. Are you volunteering, yeah. Will? Because you would be a good guest. I would be interested in, in talking to you on the show.
0: Would he? Okay. Yeah, see, l- let me speak to that for just a moment, I guess. Um, yeah, we, we we have had guests on the show in the past, and we will in the future. Uh, it's a lot of work to get a guest on the show. Uh, there's scheduling. Um, there's, you know, making sure they have the right equipment, making sure, you know, they can – uh, be heard, we can hear them, um, that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of logistics that go along with it. And then um, not everyone is as technically savvy as um, as some. And so sometimes I have to do a little bit of uh, hand holding uh, to get someone up to speed so that they're able to uh, join us on the podcast. Um, so there, it's just a lot of work, and we will have more in the future. I'm just extremely busy with my day job right now. And I don't get home uh, until usually after seven sometimes after eight o'clock at night and so I'm never home um so it's it's kind of tough uh, right now because of that there's a lot of things going on at work uh, that I have to be there and my day job so We will have more guests on, and uh, I love hearing guests on podcasts myself, and I I like to hear what other people do with colored pencil. I think it's exciting, especially when those techniques differ from my own, so that's something that uh, we will do more of.
1: We've got Tabisco, Tabisco, I'm not saying that right, says, most paper you use aren't available in my country. The only paper I can get is art. I don't know how to say that word. Arches, arcs. How do you say that word? I don't I don't even know. Arches? I'm trying to find watercolor paper. Can I use yeah, I think I know Can I use that about. as long as it's hot press? A lot of people love that paper. Um absolutely you can use that. You may get slightly different results, but I do know that it's known to be a quality paper that a lot of artists love. So absolutely. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, when I you can't have, find I'm
0: sorry? Uh, I have used that before and I use the smooth, it's a very smooth surface. The pad that, that I have, the, uh, uh, the one that I have, but I'm not sure if that's the exact finish that you have on that pad that you're using that you're referring to. But yeah, you can absolutely do uh, anything that you could with probably Stonehenge on that pad.
1: And I would recommend, if you can't find the same paper that I'm using, the same supplies, there's gonna be alternatives for you. Test them out, test out some different papers. And the thing is, just because I like a paper, it doesn't mean it's gonna be your favorite paper. So I think it's worth, no matter what, trying out what's available to you. Just make sure that it's archival, that it's acid-free. Right. So we have Courtney says, I can't seem to get OMS to work right after multiple layers. I know we're supposed to use less and less, but I still make a blotchy mess, advice. Um, the type of brush you're using, the way that you're holding the brush, how much pressure you're adding. There are so many different things that come into play. And I would say, just keep practicing. If you want to send pictures, you can post to our art groups, some pictures of the problems that you're having. But one of the things that I do, the I use a tackle unbristled bristled filbert brush and I will dry it off as much as possible when I get to those last layers where you start to get where it's very blotchy. I dry it off on my paper towel and then I let it set for a few minutes and let it kind of air dry a little bit. And sometimes that is what is needed to create. Prevent myself from removing too much pencil from the paper on those later layers.
0: Mm. Uh, with with regard to blotchiness or unevenness, I when I'm typically getting near the end, if I haven't started with a real strong foundation of trying to keep everything very smooth, and if some for some reason, you know, whatever the reason is, it gets blotchy. Uh, I just try to use good pencil form, good techniques, and uh, make it very smooth. You know, just using your hand uh, is what I try to do. And because I feel like I have a lot more control when I'm using the pencil and laying down linear strokes right next to each other and then hatching, you know, cross-hatching, that kind of thing. That works for me. Um, I've seen other people do it different ways, but yeah, it's, it all comes down to practice for that, that sort of thing. You'll get better and better at it.
1: JPC13Art says, where is our five hour unedited history lesson from John? Nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I, this is not the right forum for that. <laughs> Everyone uh, would drop out of the chat.
1: Sure. Um, Saruba asks, you are a great inspiration and guidance to me. I generally work in oil, and your tact of layering is superb, but I can't put that touch to realism. Any suggestions? I am don't know where
0: you're getting these questions. I would guess they're further up. Yeah,
1: I I, I'm going in order. Um, oh, okay. I'm going to go with practicing and just make sure with oil paint I'm not sure what problem you're having exactly but um with oil paint make sure you're letting it dry in between layers if not um you end up creating a bit of mud and you can end up with problems that way but just letting it dry and if you've got a bad layer and it doesn't look realistic enough to you let it dry and paint on top of it and just continue that until you get the the look that you're going for so Kineho says, aside from me, who else is your favorite pencil artist? I'll let you go John, cause I can't think of one.
0: Exactly. Okay. So many. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, wow. John Smolko is somebody I, I really admire his work. Um, uh, Tanya Gant, I love her color pencil work. Um, there, there are there are a bunch. Um, trying to think, you know. As soon as I start naming people, I'm going to leave a lot of people out, and uh, that's not intentional. But those are a couple of names that just came to mind. Those are both portrait artists, and I, you know, I'm really into portraits uh, with colored pencils. So th- those are a couple that I think are just phenomenal.
1: One of my favorite, I think, is Morgan Davidson. Am I saying that right? We interviewed Morgan her on Davidson. the po- mm-hmm. podcast. I love her work and the way she does her lighting. And there are way more artists. I'm the same as John. I'm like, there's so many. Um, And I don't remember names. So that's a bit of an issue for me. But I would say Morgan's one of my favorites. And she's here on YouTube. She's got amazing work.
0: Yeah, and she's very active on Instagram as well.
1: Also, Kaneho, you kind of weirded me out by asking a normal question. That was unusual for you. <laughs> that was from him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas says, Edgar says, how do you know when a piece is finished?
0: <laughs> when you're so sick of it, you don't want to work <laughs> on it anymore. <laughs> or I... <laughs> it has been too long and it's time to move on. I don't know. That, that's a hard one, right? I mean, you never know because you could always do something. You could always improve something. So I don't know. For me, I just have something in my mind, I know it's going to be done when I do X, you know, when I get this portion of it done, I'm going to say, this is done. It's time to move on. You know, I could spend, you know, probably over a year on one piece if I wanted to.
1: Yeah. For me, it's when it no longer angers me. When I don't look at it, at, like when that, that sense of, if I show people this, it's going to embarrass me when it's no longer embarrassing. I'm done. I'm good. I'm happy. That's funny. That's great. <laughs> Whoops. I just scrolled too far. Let's see. Scrolling up a little bit more because I've just lost where I was. Uh, Scrolling some more. There we go. Back to where I was.
0: Something we would edit out of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) David Rook says, if I need to be flexible, how do I know? How do I now have to stretch first before drawing? Huh? don't even know how to I don't know how to answer that for you
0: plenty of Pilates Um, (laughs) no I don't know go to yoga no um
1: I don't know. That's, I mean, that's general. My general kind of tip for when you're working in art is get up and walk regularly. Like, don't sit still for eight hours straight. Like I have a tendency to do. Make yourself get up and go for a walk. Go stretch your legs and muscles and that sort of thing. But yeah, that's other than the that,
0: problem with artists and needle pointers and quilters, right? We all have the same physique, so yeah, we got to work on that.
1: <laughs> uh, we've got Mystic Dragon wants to know if you can protect a piece to be archival by using UV sealer or varnish? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like putting it behind UV glass. I still want to use, for me, I still want to use Lightfast products, but I know that that can help. To what extent? I honestly don't know, I've not researched it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I have seen uh, color pencil behind varnish. Uh, it's an interesting look. It, it kind of changes the way the medium looks. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I've never done it.
1: Yeah, so I yeah, and I don't know how much it makes a difference as far as the UV protecting. I would I imagine don't know about
0: that. I'm not sure about that either. I think that you know, just spraying it first is the key to that, and I think that's probably what those artists do that use uh, varnish.
1: Lila wants to know why I color my hair white and black. Why not teal and white? Any special meaning behind the white and black colors? Yeah, I can't get the black that is back so out.
0: Weird. I was thinking. I was wondering the same <laughs> question I about to ask you that.
1: No, well, when I started doing p- dyeing it black, same there. It was my husband's suggestion. He thought the black in the back would be. I'm naturally blonde. He thought black would look cool, so we try it. Well, then I couldn't get it back out. So I did the color remover, didn't come out, and it's like you know what? It's just so easier to leave it. There as for is. thirty years. He yeah, had no idea. Basically. Um. So yeah, that is the thing there. Plus, teal actually doesn't look good against my skin. I used to have stop sign red hair for a while. I was dyeing it that color, and it was really hard to find clothes that looked right. Like it just it was it was weird. It was hard to. Hard to accessorize with. Dustin says, um, "How old were you when you started drawing with colored pencils?"
0: Um. Well, I, I was a child because I'm sure I had colored pencils as a child, but I, n- I never thought of them as an art medium. You know, thought of it. It was you know an art project for for school, for science project or something <laughs> like that. You know. But yeah, uh, as an adult and thinking of it as a fine art medium, I was. Mmm, 39 or 40, I believe.
1: I was nice 17 the first time I used them, besides, like, having a Crayola pencil and sketching doodles and stuff like that. But the first time I did an actual art project, and my mom still has this piece, I was in an AP studio art class, where they didn't teach us how to use the medium. They were just like, okay, here's some pencils, and your theme is transparency. And while all the other students in the class, I mean, what would you think? I'm gonna draw something transparent. Glasses, jars, bottles. Not me. Tigers. Um, I drew some transparent tigers, (laughs) and the look on John's face is priceless. Um, that's just where my mind went. I didn't like still life. I liked animals, so I drew transparent tigers as my very first, like, complete colored pencil piece, and I was about, I want to say I was 17 at the time. Um, I was probably in my early 20s, those same pencils, because they let us keep the, the, it was Prismacolor, they let us keep the set, um, is when I started doing more with that. I was probably around, I'd say... Twenty-two, twenty-three. 23, when I started really working with colored pencils. Okay, we've also got another moderator here today, Our the Art of Joseph Fincham. Check out his channel too, also linked in the video description. He has some paintings and we need to give him a harder time about making more paintings for us to watch here on YouTube. So we've got Melanie says, how are you on watercolor pen <laughs> with watercolor pencils? I'm working with them. I've been playing with some by Derwent. They sent me a set, and I've been playing with them in a sketch pad. And the more I sketch with them, the more I like just how quickly I can lay down color. I've been having fun with how they blend and just experimenting, but I am not to a point where I can teach you guys anything yet. So there won't be any videos until I get used to them. Do you play with them? I like,
0: I've used them for a long time, but I like using them without water. I like using them dry by themselves. I have used them a little bit with water, but I like them better by themselves without any Uh, Water, uh, anything to break down um, the um, the pigment, but you know that's just something you know that that I like. It's a it's a different type of feel to the to the uh, pigment, and it's uh, I don't know they're very opaque uh, when you do that. Um, I don't know that's something I've not really explored using a lot of water with watercolor pencils, but
1: I may do that in the future. Claudia says, I know you said you don't like the mess of soft pastels, but have you tried or considered um, pastel pencils? Yes, and I don't like those either. Too messy. Too dusty. Don't like how it feels on my hands. I'm not. It's just not a medium that I enjoy.
0: The pan pastels?
1: Um, This one says pastel pencils.
0: Pastel pencils.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
0: John, I yeah, I don't really, I don't really care for those too much. I can't figure out how to even sharpen them. <laughs> They're such a pain to sharpen. You know, once you get past that point, it's like, okay, now what? You know, I'll cut myself. if I start trying to use it. You know,
1: yeah, thing. I'll cut my fingers Sharp. off if I use an exacto knife. That's... I don't mind
0: pan pastels too much. Those are kind of fun, but yeah, I like you, Lisa. I, I just don't like the mess. I don't like how it just feels like that medium is um, just so flimsy. I, I'm, with regard to how, uh, um, you know, it just doesn't seem like it stays put and like I'm going to cough or sneeze and everything's going <laughs> to blow away, you know, that kind of thing. Just something mental. I can't get over that part. So
1: I think it also, for me, it goes against my clean freak nature where I want everything yeah, cleaned and dusted. I and want my those hands clean, don't,
0: especially. Yeah. I don't like all that chalk on my hands.
1: Yeah. Kaneho, wow. Another normal question from Kaneho, Are you feeling okay? Yeah. Should I send like help? because this concerns me. Kanejo says, do the Borracha pencils work in any kind of colored pencil? For those of you who do not know what he means by those, those are the ink, Faber-Castell makes an ink eraser. Um, He sends me some from Mexico, and I love them. Mine are the ones when you see me erase with a green, or like a lime green color. Faber-Castell in the UK and the US, I believe it's a cream colored base, but it's an ink eraser. And... I've used those for colored pencil. He sent me those. They are so nice for lifting up some of the color. It's never going to make the paper white again for me because I use odorless mineral spirits. so my paper is stained no matter what. But for me, when I use those, it lifts off enough color that I'm able to add more color. Like if I decide, you know what? I don't like how this came out. This ear is just the wrong color, wrong shade, wrong values. I wanna try again. I can use that lightly, go over and it'll lift enough color that I can put additional color on top while retaining kind of the tooth of the paper where I'm not fighting against having too much color for my previous layers on top, if that makes any sense. Probably not, but it does. It works on all pencils. Some pencils erase better than others, but I, it can lift some of all pencils. So I've not found a colored pencil yet that I thought, this is useless. I'm never using this on this again, if that helps. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, I'm just I'm just reading another comment that Conejo uh, just
1: made, but I won't repeat. We probably that one. don't want to know, do we? Um, Rebecca says I am thinking about buying a bigger set of luminance pencils. When do you prefer waxy pencils over oil-based like Polychromos?
0: To me, the, I mean, you can mix them all together. So um, I I sort of prefer. Uh, with portraits, the wax-based pencils, Luminance pencils. Uh, most of the time, if I want tight details, then I like polychromos. Uh, and I also like uh, the Verithin pencils by uh, Prismacolor uh, for tight details. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you it doesn't really matter. You can use either one. You, they layer with each other quite nicely. So, um, I just think that the wax, um, they, they sort of have They kind of have a skin type of texture to them, I feel like, especially using Stonehenge. I like the way that looks.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much the same, except for the Prismacolor Very Thins. I have always hated those, even when I love Prismacolor. I cannot, they do not. Just the way that I layer, they are not an effective pencil for me. They don't Don't work with my techniques.
0: Huh? Don't be a hater.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I'm the same. Portraits, anything where I want really smooth, smooth blending, I like the the oil base. so the, I'm sorry, the wax base. So in that case the luminance would be my choice. If I'm doing like animal fur, more often than not I reach for my polychromos where I'm getting that smaller detail type thing. So, yeah, very similar to to John on that.
0: Oh, someone's mowing outside. Nice timing. So, <laughs> do
1: this at nighttime. We don't have that problem. No, at nighttime, I occasionally get neighbors who had a bit too much fun and have loud music. Um, <laughs> right, right. And don't realize it's loud. Okay. We've got Julie who says, a friend wants me to draw them a picture of a soccer star. Can I legally sell this? It's not a movie character, but a celebrity. Is it stealing their personal image? No, but it, did you take the photo yourself? If not, if you no. Took
0: it, if, if you took it yourself and they were in a public place, you're, you're good.
1: Yeah, but... If you did not, if you just found a photo of them online or in a video, even, and paused it and drew it from that, yeah, it's a violation of copyright of who owns that video, who owns, who took the original right. photo. Yeah. So yes, you could run into issue. That said, if I have had people hire me to paint portraits that were of celebrities and it was never, you know, posted, this is for sale, um, it's one of those if they don't know, technically, it's a violation of copyright. But there have been times in the past, I don't do it anymore. But there were times in the past where somebody was like, hey, I want this actor. Can you draw this for me? And I just, you know, it's not listed for sale anywhere. It was kind of a private thing that nobody's going to know about. But technically, it is a violation of copyright still.
0: You just have to make those choices for yourself as an artist in your own business and decide, um, you know, what is ethical for you to do.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I don't do it anymore. And when I do fan art, even now, I've had people offer to buy some of the stuff I have here. And it's like, no, I do that for myself and for practice, but it's not something that I'll sell at all, now, Or I'll give it away to friends. Let's see, we've got Dennis says, (coughs) excuse me, which paper do you recommend for graphite and colored pencil that are mixed together? I still like my Fabriano Artistico. That one is just an all around. It works great for graphite. works great for colored pencil. That would be my choice. How about you? And when favorite, I say favorite paper, yeah, that make you mix graphite and color pencil on the same piece. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I was I was getting caught up in some comments. They're so hilarious. Um, <laughs> all right, so so distracting what, watching these comments. Uh, I don't really use graphite and color pencil in the same piece. I just I don't care for that look personally. So.
1: Well, you don't have very good taste, do you, John? Sorry, I just don't I don't like it. No, I for, uh, then, like yeah, we'll go with, with my answer then, just the Fabriano yeah. Artistico Extra White Hot Press 140-pound Names Way Too Long Watercolor Paper is what I like because it works both great for colored pencil, it works great for graphite. That is going to be my choice. Let's see, we've got... Um, Joseph says, he says that that paper is Arches, He's not. He just says he doesn't care if he's wrong. That makes more sense. Arches watercolor paper. <laughs> Pix by Lee says, "I heard you mention your mechanical pencil. I think in your studio tour, what mechanical pencil do you use? Do you use it for sketching or a complete work?" I use mine with my, um, it, it's not to me so much about the pencil itself. It's about the lead that I put in the pencil. And for me, that's the A and 4B lead that you can't get anymore. Um, so, the high polymer lead. The, St- the new Stein lead doesn't work at all. It's terrible. But the A and 4B, um, again, I know you can't get it because I bought all of them that were available on eBay when I realized they were no longer making it. So, unless they change their mind and start making it again, it's not really available. But the pencil itself is not what I'm picky about. For me, it's the lead that I put in it. And I use it for actual full graphite work when I want darker tiny details. Any any input on that, John? Do you use mechanical no, pencils?
0: I, I don't use mechanical pencils. I use, with graphite, I use graph wood uh, by Karen Dosh. I love those pencils. I've tried others. Those, those are my favorite.
1: Okay, we've got Michelle says, how do you decide on podcast topics? 100 episodes is a lot of a subject, not even cu- including Q&A and interviewed episodes. John it's, does this, so I'm gonna leave this to you.
0: I don't always do it. You you come up with ideas too, and we've collaborated a lot, especially in the beginning on topics. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough sometimes, right, Lisa? Um, I'll be honest. Sometimes we're like, "What are we talking about tonight?" <laughs> and then we figure something out, and then we jot down some notes, and and we start talking and recording. There. Are p- um,
1: few Uh, ways, too. I mean, for me, I just go through my old videos and say, hey, can we turn this into a podcast and talk longer? Because the old videos are like three or four minutes. So a podcast being, you know, 30 minutes, that gives us more time to talk about those subjects.
0: And if I get recurring uh, questions through emails and things like that, then I figure that's a good thing to make a podcast about. So just kind of listen to what the questions are that are coming through.
1: Dustin says, how many hours or asks, I should say, how many hours do you spend for finishing a colored pencil portrait? Oh, uh, <laughs> with me,
0: you know, I, well, here's the thing. I used to think it took me hundreds of hours and I, I kind of actually thought that it probably took me a hundred hours. I wasn't sure cause I didn't record it uh, and I didn't keep a timer or anything like that. Uh, recently, I started, you know, videoing every everything that I do, um, making that a lot of those things available for people in the Sharpened Artist Academy. But what happened was I started noticing that, um, you know, I had a video log now of every hour, every minute that I spent on a portrait. And the last one that I did, the one before the one I'm currently on, the one I'm on now is going slow as molasses because I'm on Stonehenge. But on sanded paper... It took me a little over 10 hours, and so that was good. It just it takes me a little longer because I don't have as much time in the evening uh, to work on colored pencil. But logging it like that, that was kind of eye-opening, and I thought it took longer. But I don't know. What about for you, Lisa?
1: Um, I usually end up with about ten hours of footage, six to ten hours, but that's me hitting pause. Every time I have to take a break and go get tea, take the dogs out. That six yeah, hours yeah. is actually spread over the period of about I'd say six or seven nights. So mine's It's
0: about mine's about three to five weeks to get to get ten hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, I got a
0: proposal here from your friend. All right.
1: Is he proposing to you? Because that's what he he he. that's a, a fairly normal occurrence for Kanejo. Don't feel too special. Here's a good question. Claudia says, if you could never draw animals again, what subject matter would you be drawing? I think fantasy landscapes would be my thing if I couldn't do animals. And, of course, portraits. Don't you do that already? Yeah, but if I had to cut out animals, I'd just continue oh, with yeah. those. <laughs> I'm cheating. That's
0: funny. That's funny. I would do uh, old old uh, barns and uh, old cars is what I would do. I think old stuff.
1: And my thing, just scroll down too fast. Every once in a while, the chat will screw, like freak out and just jump like crazy, yeah. and I lose my place. A lot of
0: drama going on over here in the chat. I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do go ahead and share what the drama is while I find where we were. <laughs>
0: Uh no, I don't think I'm gonna repeat some of the things that no, it's not it's not that bad. I'm making it sound worse than
1: Oh bad. gosh, see, okay, JPC13Art is just trying to get an argument between us. I can tell. Um, Why,
0: what what was the question? Uh,
1: are ink tents colored pencils or not? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> this is a debate John and I have regularly. Um, yeah. I say and, no, and they're not. You know what?
0: This is a this is a funny thing that um, we're going to share right now. Um, Lisa, you didn't know this, but uh, we did an entire podcast. I don't know if you remember this, Lisa, on Inktense pencils, and then we didn't ever air it. Do you remember that? That was the, the one that we decided.
1: Oh, that we sense. were just all over the place. We were like yeah, was, not focused <laughs> and we're like, planar, no one's going to know what we're and talking it was about. Like,
0: yeah. It was like, I thought we redid that. Much, it went, huh?
1: Didn't we redo it?
0: Yeah, we redid it. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought that was interesting because, uh, yeah, it wasn't.
1: So, John, do you want to make your argument thing. as to why they are?
0: I mean, it's quite simple. Yeah, they're colored pencils. Um, anything. I I agree with the definition that the CPSA gives, the Colored Pencil Society of America, that uh, it can be, you know, the pencil can be laid down on um, the surface and cannot be blown off or brushed off easily like pastels or. Um, you know, or like um, uh, some of those chalks and charcoal and things like that. So that's the reason why uh, they accept ink tints as a colored pencil. They accept watercolor uh, as a colored pencil. And so I like that definition. It kind of fits everything in this broad category and you don't have to get hung up on a lot of uh, unnecessary details. Now, are they characteristically the same in their formulation of the pigment and the binders and Everything else? Well, no, obviously they're not. There's something a little bit different, a little bit of a hybrid there. So that's fine. It's kind of a marketing speak, though, when they start talking about how it's a soluble ink and all this stuff. That's fine. Yeah, they have some other characteristics and properties that make them uh, slightly different than other oil or wax based colored pencils. But I don't think it's anything to get riled up about, or uh, I don't think it rules them out as being a colored pencil either. So that's just my opinion.
1: I say they're not. I say they are a. A water soluble ink, um, which is what they are. I mean, if I complete, let's say my Red Panda, it's done in ink tents. I'm not going to hang that in a gallery and list it as colored pencil. I'm going to list it as ink tents. The fact that I have, I'm going to make that distinction to and me tells me they're you're not colored about pencil. When
0: you, when you say that, huh? Unless they're an artist.
1: Well, that's what <laughs> medium it is, though. What's it's not what's colored what's pencil. It's ink
0: Unless you're an artist, though. But so I
1: should, I should lie your to your the customer and and tell them
0: about, It's a colored <laughs> pencil because it can't be blown off and blah blah blah. You know then they say, okay, it's a colored pencil. You know, it, I don't know. I don't think it's that big a deal. It's fine if that's what you know someone chooses to um, uh, do and discuss them in that way. I think that's fine, but you know, I think it can also be considered you know, a colored pencil because of that classic definition that, that you can go with.
1: Except that John's wrong. They're water-soluble ink. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, JPC13Art was just trying to start crap because he knows that we, <laughs> this is like an ongoing, we had some funny debates about that that got really right. funny. Okay, um, let's see. Scrolling a little bit more. Barbara Loveless says I can get the black out, use a color stripper on my hair. I did. And I got the black out, and it turned it all orange. Great. Now I'm going to dye brown on top of it to neutralize it, which is what I did. I've done that before with other colors. I put the brown on top of it. It turned black again. And it was a light brown that I put on top. I don't know. At that point, I was like, I'm just done. I'm leaving it alone. Okay. Um. That's back to the hair color question from earlier. Sarka says, I'm really into surrealism, but I'm not that experienced in it. I always have someone, often my parents, telling me I should stick to realism, as that's what I'm good at. Any advice? John's making faces, so I'll go ahead and answer. (laughs) I'm going to say, I'll go first. (laughs) Um, I would say, do what you're interested in. There's... realism and surrealism are combined. It's the same. You're using your, the techniques you use for realism are applied to surrealism. Surrealism to me, the way I look at it is just combining things that shouldn't naturally go together. An octopus in a tree with chickadees. I'm still using realism techniques. I'm just combining different elements that don't go together. And that's what I enjoy and that's what interests me. So my advice is to paint and draw what interests you most. You're going to learn the most. You're going to progress the fastest if it's something you're interested in, I think
0: yeah, I can't even really speak to that because I don't draw anything that's uh, in surrealism at all. i don't I don't care for it as far as drawing it myself. I like looking at it.
1: <laughs> Let's see. we've got draw with Stefan says I'm having problems with layering, and I can only get about four layers on the paper. I'm using lim- luminance on Bristol vellum paper. Well, that just actually answered it. I can I don't even have to read the rest of the question that it's the Bristol vellum is why you're having a hard time getting more layers. It's so smooth. Yeah, there's nothing there's, for the pencil to grip yeah. to.
0: Not enough tooth on that paper. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you switch papers, that should help. Stonehenge, you're gonna get more layers. Fabriano Artistico Extra White Hot Press, so what Names Way Too Long, Watercolor Paper, that's going to give you more layers. I mean, there's a lot of the Canson Me Tens, that will give you more layers. Um try some other yeah. papers. That'll that should help you out there. I won't use bristle vellum anymore. Not only can I got not get enough layers, I can't get the color saturation deep enough. So I, it's not my preference. Um, Peggy says, do you use the hot press or cold press Fabriano? What's the difference? I just had a video actually I want to say last week go up and you can see actual examples um, Of the difference, but short answer cold press has a lot more tooth It's very bumpy hot press is going to be smoother. So it's more of an ideal surface for colored pencil Um, let's see we've got (laughs) Kaneho I like this question. Kenejo says, How much percentage of cof- cotton is okay to draw with polychromos and why are you so fat now? Starbucks from this winter is the answer to the second part of your question. And how For much your percentage?
0: information, I lost about two pounds.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, um, percentage there. of cotton?
0: There.
1: I don't know. I've never paid attention to what the percentage of cotton in my paper is. Do you know, John? Yeah.
0: No, but over the course of about 10 years, I've lost two pounds. So.
1: <laughs> That's the important Care- part of this Care- question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um,
1: is he asking about Stonehenge? I think oh. cotton paper in general or paper that oh. has cotton in it.
0: What percentage? Well, I think if it says that it's cotton, though, um, and like Stonehenge, Stonehenge is 100% cotton. So I, I don't.
1: Oh, well, there you go. So 100% is Okay. Yeah. So any percentage, I would say, as long as, as long as the paper is acid-free, it's okay. So we've got a question from Shadowcraft MC says, Hi, Lisa, can you tell me the dif- the best paper for Faber-Castell, po- bleh, Faber-Castell Polychromos and which one is better, hot or cold press? I think we kind of answered that already. I mean, the, the type of paper, it's going to be yeah. personal preference. I can't yeah, say one's definitely. best. And right. hot press if going with that um let's see miss beth says wants to know from both of us what's coming up next for both of you regarding art project wise or are you working what are you working on at the moment
0: you know what i'll show what i'm working on here it's right over here on my drawing desk if i can grab it off frame for a minute uh not done yet is that showing lisa I'm yeah sure. yeah it's showing okay um not done with it yet the but nose looks amazing this is what I'm working on, and so I'm a little, little further away than I want to be at this point. The hair I haven't really started on yet, um, but the face I'm got a lot of progress on the nose, as you uh, see, as you pointed out there. But yeah, I've I'm got you know I've got a lot to do with the shading still in the face and the forehead. I haven't even really touched yet, but. After that, then I've got another portrait that I'm working on. So I've got a series of portraits that I'm doing right now, and this one should already be done. It's taken way too long, Uh, but it'll be done here next week or so.
1: For me, I just finished, what was it, the marker, the frog with the markers. um, That's over on Instagram. I need to get a better photo of it. But the markers, and I used a little bit of colored pencil on that. Um, That was with the pigment markers. I just finished that on Thursday night, and I've not started. I don't even know what my next project is going to be. I need to figure that out. That's part of tonight's work. I've got to edit all of today's videos and figure out what my next project is, because... It has to be whatever I start has to be finished by next or this coming Thursday. So I should probably pick something soon. (laughs) Let's see. Harry says, is it okay if I stop continuing a project and continue if I'm in the mood or should I or finish it even when I'm not in the mood?
0: I would finish it when you're not in the mood. That's what I would recommend. Uh, I would just tell yourself, you know, hey, get in the mood and do it. (laughs) You don't have to be in the mood to do the artwork. Um, and so that that's something I think Lisa and I have talked a lot about uh, in different podcasts. And I think it's something that we both feel pretty strongly about. If you want to, you know, if you're a hobbyist and you just want to do this to relax and have fun, then, yeah, just do it when you're in the mood or whenever. But I think you're going to get a lot more enjoyment out of what you're doing if you just tell yourself, hey, I'm just going to get this done. Because you can look back and say, hey, look at look at what I just accomplished, you know. But in order to churn out a lot of artwork that you really want to, um, you know, be proud of and do something with and have a body of work, you just got to sit down in the chair and get it done, you know.
1: Yeah, completely agree. It's a job. I mean, if it's your job, it's a job. Yeah, if you're not in the yeah. mood to go to whatever other job you have. I mean, John, you work in IT stuff or tech stuff. You're not in the mood right. to work. What do you do?
0: I just work anyway. Exactly.
1: I mean, you, you don't get to the side. I'm just not in the I mood. I draw every
0: night. I draw every night regardless.
1: So. Yeah. And I don't know why, for some reason, artists have the, there's this idea that artists can, like that there's this magic involved and we can only work when we're in the mood and there's a muse and the muse has to be there. And if the muse doesn't yeah. visit you that day, you're not drawing. That's, it, it's not if you're making a living with this. If you are, right. it's not. This right. is one of my right. favorite questions yet. Kanejo says, or wants to know if you were loaded because he's single.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i think we saw that <laughs> that's got to be the best question yet yeah that is doesn't that is say uh, okay let's see I just answered that
0: oh, i had some compliments on my artwork thank you so much
1: yeah that portrait is awesome john thank you. thank you julie says i have so many questions sorry what if i drew a celeb character for fun and learning and posted it on youtube instagram is it still wrong even if i'm not selling it i really love fan art that, there's so many factors when it comes there to the copyright. Are many
0: factors. Um, if you're wanting my opinion, my recommendation is just don't do it and just, you know, leave fan art to people that do fan art and just do something a little more, uh, you know, just do something a little more serious and something that you, just, you don't have any even the potential to get in trouble with. Uh, that's my recommendation. just don't make it you know don't make your life harder than it has to be. That's why yeah. I wouldn't do it.
1: So. I went through and pulled a lot of fan art off my channel because it's like it's not worth getting in trouble for honestly yeah. um I left some not a lot it, it just. I don't know. And it's funny because a lot of people will tell you and told me when I early on in my career or not my career, but my when I started on YouTube. Oh, you need to draw celebrities. That's how people are going to find you draw more celebrities. My celebrity portraits didn't get any more attention than portraits that I had copyright to use. It's, it it didn't make a difference for me. So I don't really understand. Now when I do fan art, like I'll do, I did some Game of Thrones stuff because Game of Thrones, the studio had always encouraged Game of Thrones fan art. They share it on their Tumblr account. They did all this. And then recently, apparently, they went after a girl who had something that said winter is coming on a drawing that had nothing to do with Game of Thrones. They sent her a cease and desist letter saying you need to take that off your print site. It had nothing to do with Game of Thrones. And technically, the term winter is coming is too, um too broad to really be able to trademark, so I'm not sure how they were able to even think that was appropriate, but it's like, wow, if they're going to start that's doing crazy. that, are they going to have trouble with the people who did fan art that they previously encouraged? And so, and they have the right to do it. I mean, if, if, even if they told me once, right. yeah, sure, go ahead and do fan art, and then they decide later on, no, I don't want anyone to do fan art. They can come after me up for the stuff I've done because they hold the cost. Now, if they give me gave me actual written permission individually, that's different, but if they were encouraging everyone to do fan art and then stop that kid, I don't even want to deal with the legal ramifications with it, and it's yeah. just easier not to. And so there are a few things that I'll still do for myself, like Murloc paintings. I want a painting of a Murloc from World of Warcraft because I'm a crazy person and I think that needs to live in my living room. So I am going to do that and I'll post it in Warcraft. Blizzard has been okay with fan art up till now. Whether or not that ends up being pulled, I won't monetize it. The video will not be monetized. I'll share it, but I won't, you know, I don't want to make a profit off of it because that tends to be when they start having issues. But my previously, um, my fan art with what did I do? Booty Bay from World of Warcraft. That, again, I just didn't, didn't monetize the video, so I'm not making a profit off of it. So, yeah,
0: we did, Lisa and I did interview a copyright um, uh, lawyer uh, on the podcast. I'm trying to figure out, trying to see which podcast that was. I don't know, but you can go to iTunes and look through uh, all of the podcasts that we've done. And uh, there is one there by. Uh, that we did with Maria Spear, I believe was her name. Isn't that right, Lisa?
1: I don't uh, remember name? names. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think that was her name, but and I, I don't remember which episode that was. But it was it was early on, um, uh, probably in uh, 2015, maybe when we did that. I don't remember the date, but yeah, we did interview a cop, a, um, uh, a a lawyer, and we discussed. She was did she specialize in um, She specialized in in copyright and in uh, uh, she knew a lot about uh, copyright with artwork and um, digital rights management, too, I believe. But uh, it was a good uh, and interesting conversation. And we did talk about fan art in that particular episode.
1: There's just so many factors that there's no way to say this is always wrong. This is always right. Right. What we can tell you is it's always safer just to not do it.
0: That podcast is episode number 57, Interview with Maria Spear. I just found it, looked it up. Um, You can also see it on on my site, com slash podcast. If you scroll down to the very bottom, you can go to older posts, I I believe it is, and uh, you can go to the older episodes by doing that.
1: We've got, Christy wants to know how YouTube has changed your art. For me, it just made me produce more, and so I improved faster because I was producing more art because I was on a schedule. So that was the biggest difference it made for me. Um, Let's see. Have you ever used colored lead like Pilot colored Eno? Um, No, I've not, so I can't comment on that. Let's see. Quinn says, is there any affordable, and this will probably be our last question because we are at an hour now, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up, but I think this is a good question. Really important question. Quinn says, is there an affordable and quality watercolor paper that you know of? Here's the thing. Your colored pencils you're using are probably very expensive. If you're using quality pencils and colored pencils we covered before, it's a long process. If you're going to spend three weeks on a process or a project, why would you skimp out on paying an extra 50 cents for a good quality for that one sheet of paper? Let's say that one sheet of paper costs an extra 50 cents, an extra dollar. Heck, if it costs an extra $5, that's a three-week long project. Why would you cheap out on the paper just to try to save a, a dollar, a 50 cents, whatever it is? I say, get the good stuff. Don't this... I don't. I just don't understand why you would want to save a couple dollars and fight a paper that's not as good as the best paper for your project.
0: Right. Yeah. And and that's one of the things to keep in mind is that if if you if one of these things is weak, the colored pencils, if you buy cheap pencils, or if you buy good pencils and you are working on cheap paper or bad paper, uh, it's going to bring down the whole project, and you're not going to enjoy it as much because they're. One of these things isn't going to perform like it's supposed to. And so you want to set yourself up for success and you want to get the best quality uh, that you can afford and that makes sense for your techniques and what you're going to do. Um, and you'll be a lot happier with the end result if you start with good, professional, great uh, quality products.
1: Yeah. And the idea of a co- I, I hear this so often. I want a good a quality product, but it, a cheap one. Yeah, Those two terms exist, don't, yeah, really. they, they don't yeah. mesh. Those aren't yeah. really a thing. And really, I just don't think the paper's that expensive. I mean, the it most, ex- no. I'll spend what, 5 $6 on a big 22 by 30 inch sheet of Fabriano Artistico. I cut it into four pieces. So $5 for four pieces. Each sheet is only mm-hmm. a couple of dollars. Am I, re- why would I cheap right. out and try to get, go cheaper than that when that piece, well, that single piece lasts so long?
0: Yeah, and it's the same thing that people—the same excuse people give for not buying uh, luminance pencils. Typically, you know, they're they're way too expensive. Like, they're they're really not though. Um, They last longer typically, and they're so much more enjoyable whenever. Yeah, and
1: here's the thing. uh, Are using them? I get doing the starving artist thing. I did it for so long. Get a handful of what you can afford. So, let's say you want to start with colored pen, or oh, yeah. I usually use acrylic as the example for this. You want to start with acrylics, but you can't afford all the supplies. Get a tube of like Liquitex Basics Black of Mars Black, a tube of Titanium White and just do black and white paintings until you get the hang of that. If that's all you can afford, that's fine. You're going to learn a ton from that, much more so than getting a cheap set of Reeves or one of the other crappy brands, getting a cheap set of their acrylics that don't layer right, they don't blend right, they don't do what you want them to do. You're not going to learn as much from having all those colors as you will just a tube of good black and white. Same thing with colored pencils, just get a handful you, paper, um, get a single sheet of Fabriano and cut it down into, well, you'll want to do more just because of the cost of shipping and all that, but I mean, save up, get the decent paper and then cut it down to the size that you want. That will be fine. Now, I will say when I started with colored pencil, I worked with, I want to say it was a medium paper. It's Strathmore, one of their papers that I got at Michael's and it's not a heavyweight paper. It's only about 74 pounds but it works for colored pencil. I I wouldn't sell my artwork on it, but for just like practicing quick techniques, doing quick sketches. If I do a really quick demonstration here for YouTube and I don't want to use my Fabriano Artistico, I'll use that then. But it's not one that I'm going to sell on because it's kind of flimsy and thin and it's just not my favorite. But, but you're
0: not I, deciding whether you like the medium either.
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: You're not doing something serious with it. Yeah. Somebody so. just said they use regular printer paper. I think he's kidding. But yeah. That's illustrating our point exactly. Yeah,
1: you're not going to get the same results that we do. That's for sure. But and and the thing is, I mean, a good artist, I've seen people make amazing things out of coffee grinds. So people, I'll see people use bad supplies and go, oh, but this person did that. Yeah. But the
0: photographer can also use a flip phone, you know. Yeah. But imagine what they
1: can do with proper supplies.
0: Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, how Vladimir says, how far can one go with printer paper? For me, um, it goes as far as cutting the address label off of it and sticking it out on the box I'm shipping, and that's what I use printer paper for. (laughs) That's as far as it can go. It's not, (laughs) not one I would recommend, that's for sure. But I want to go ahead and wrap this up. We are now at 3:11, so we've been doing this for a little over an hour here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, John, for joining for the podcast and braving the camera. Yeah, this yeah. is...
0: This was fun. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And I want to thank our moderators, Joseph Fincham and Valerie. Check out their channels. The links to both of those are below in the video description, as are the links of where you can find the Colored Pencil podcast. If you've not been listening to it, there's 100 episodes. Well, what? 99 now? There are a lot of episodes you can go back and listen to. If you want something to listen to while you're painting or drawing, you can listen to John and I argue about things. Um... <laughs> So that is it. Thank you again, guys, for joining us. And we will see you. Well, I don't know. um, John and I will have to talk about possibly doing this before. Otherwise, we'll see you or talk to you on Monday for the next podcast. Bye. Bye,
0: guys. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.